Yes, he is a great, he's a great baseball player. But it is great to have you back. But uh, let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 11. We're going to talk about signs here today. Someone who had the green truck just got a sign and someone read it saying that you better go turn your lights off or something will happen. But signs are symbols, words to communicate a message, provide information to us, direction, identify something with safety concerns. You know, we have, you go to uh, see Eric, he may take your vital signs. Find out if you have a pulse. Check your temperature. Check your blood pressure. See what's going on. All indicators perhaps that something's may maybe going on medically. Cody gave a sign of his undying love to Brittany. Took some special time in the afternoon and, and, and went to the beach, got you know, blanket all laid out, had all of the plans, had someone waiting in the in the kind of the bushes taking pictures of this this amazing event. Gave her a an, an engagement ring, gave Brittany an engagement ring, a sign of his undying love that I want to be with you for the rest of my life. I'm sure Brittany got that message, right? It was very clear. It was not vague. It, it was very, very clear. You know, a good sign is obvious. It's noticeable. We get the message. God used signs throughout Scripture. Miracles. Prophets. His spoken words uh, to really warn and direct and give information to help his people and us go in the direction that we need to go. You know, last week, we uh, started seeing in, in Jesus' followers, or listeners anyway, as Jesus did this miracle, some were amazed. As we saw last week, some attributed his miracles to the fact that he was doing it by the power of Satan, which Jesus says that's absolutely absurd. Why would why would I do that to, to, if I was serving Satan? Why would I do that to his, his kingdom? Why would I self-destruct that? But there were also those that were looking for signs to prove who he was. And so as we pick up this passage of scripture, Jesus continues to respond and challenging them on what they were in fact asking for. And he called them last week, as we looked at, to a decision. You know, you have enough information. We have enough information. If you're not for me, you're against me. If you're not gathering, you're scattering. You have enough information to make a decision. And it's interesting that when we ask for signs, or when they ask for signs, we can actually have this almost noble kind of attitude. I, I just need more proof. And so it seems very innocent, it seems very kind of noble to, to ask for a sign. But Jesus says there's not going to be a sign that is given except, and as we'll read this, except the sign of Jonah and the sign of this great woman, the queen of the south, who traveled far and wide to sit at the feet of Solomon. And so he will challenge the hearts of those who were listening. 
You don't need something more miraculous. All you need is God's word. All you need to do is listen. All you need to do is obey it. So let's pick it up in Luke chapter 11, verse 29. As the crowds were increasing, Jesus began to say, this generation is a wicked generation. You want to influence a, a, a crowd, that's probably not how you begin your speech. But you've got to love Jesus' forthrightness. It looks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it, except the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so the Son of Man will be a sign to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And now, something greater than Solomon is here. The people of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented when Jonah preached to them. But now, something greater than Jonah is here. And I'll say, Jesus is here. And his message is here. And he said earlier, it's interesting, to his, to his followers that, that my message and the gospel of good news is something that prophets and kings longed to hear. And it's interesting, in this passage, we, we talk about Jonah, a prophet. We talk about Solomon, a king. And so Jesus is saying, we have such great news in front of us. But as we learned last week, it really is a matter of, do we listen properly? Do we hear? And do we put it into practice? Let's pray before we continue. Father, thank you so much that we do have the words very clearly laid out for us from Jesus. That we can make decisions in our lives very clearly, very purposefully. Father, this morning, help us to see the signs that we need to see. To have the heart that we need to have. A heart that seeks you as if seeking for treasure. A heart that is soft, that will repent when your word is spoken to us. Father, may it not be said of us, any single one of us, that the, 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 the Ninevites or the Queen of Sheba will stand in judgment of us because we refuse to hear, we refuse to listen, we refuse to obey. But may, may your spirit convict us, inspire us to be a sign truly of a seeker's heart and of a heart that will completely, completely repent and experience complete salvation in our lives. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your word. Again, bless this, these few minutes that we will spend together diving into it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Jesus, like I said, does not start his speech here very, very warmly. A wicked generation. You know, it's interesting. He is accused of speaking kind of from Satan and doing his miracles from Satan, when he uses this word wicked, it is, it is used of Satan himself. So he's kind of turning the tables. No, it's not me. You are a wicked kind of 
satanic generation because you can't you, you you haven't seen all of the things that I am going to do and it really talks about and you, you if you read through the, the Bible you understand over and over and over again kind of the wickedness and the rebelliousness of the Israelites God proved himself through miracle after miracle after miracle the hand of God was displayed time after time after time, but they refused. They refused to see. They refused to obey. You see, what I see so very clearly through the Old Testament and even through the, the experience here with Jesus, that signs and miracles don't keep people faithful. And although we want them, They don't really keep us faithful in the long run. Because what will keep us faithful? When we listen and when we obey God's word. And so as Jesus is referring to this generation, he's saying, you guys don't get it. You've missed it. You're looking for all of these things. You have your ideas of what these signs are and these miracles are. But they, they've been done time after time and you still refuse to see it. Because you refuse to deal with your heart. And in a, in a few weeks, we'll talk about this whole idea of, of cleansing the outside, but we don't do anything to deal with what actually is going on inside. You guys, you, we need, you need to look at Jonah and you need to understand what the spirit of, of the book of Jonah is all about and what was God trying to teach. And the book of Jonah is an upward calling. So let's turn. We're going to do a little bit of a Bible study. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Jonah. One of those little books way in the back of the Old Testament. After Obadiah, before Micah, Getting my bookmarks because we'll go back to uh, that passage in uh, Luke 11. Most of us know the story of Jonah. Such a great story about the character and nature of God. And I'm just going to briefly summarize it, but Jonah really does know about the character of God. He, he, he knows the heart of of God. And he'll say in, in chapter 4, uh, I, I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, and a God who relents from sending calamity. So when, when at the end of it, when, when the Ninevites do repent, he says, see, I told you, I knew you would be like that. So that's, that's why he, at the beginning of it, when God is going to bring judgment upon the Ninevites, the, the Assyrian capital, He's like, I, I don't want to go there. I know, I know God, God's compassionate. I, I'm, I don't even want to see this happen. So he runs away. God commands. He says, I want you to go and preach to this city. He says, no way. Tries to hide. He runs. He gets on a ship. Tries to, tries to get away. This great big storm comes up. And all of the, all of the sailors are, are trying to figure out, okay, what do we need to do? 
They're, they're, you know, they're praying to their gods, frantically trying to figure out, okay, something, so, one of you has, has ticked off one of the gods. Let's, let's make sure we kind of go person by person. They start throwing things off overboard, trying to make sure, you know, they don't get swamped. Finally, they come to Jonah. He says, yeah, yeah, it, it, it was me. And they try their, their best, okay, yeah, you, you admit it, but maybe we can try to make this, make this work. No way. God makes it very clear that you can't run for me. So Jonah's like, okay, got to throw me overboard. And they do. Jonah gets swallowed by this great fish. And he's in, in the fish's belly for three days. That'll cause you to pray. You can read his prayer in chapter 2. It's quite, quite, uh, quite graphic. He's calling out to God. So he gets spit up on shore. God says, I want you to go preach. You'd have to be a pretty hard head to go, no, I'm not going to do it. So he, he, he does, and here, let's pick it up in chapter 3, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to that great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Amen, Jonah. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. We'll see, read later on, or we won't read, but it, it says there are 120,000 people in the city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Here's the heart. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do you know anything about a decree of any of these Assyrian and Babylonian kings? When they issue a decree, it is stamped, and you, you best follow it. So he's saying, this is going out throughout the whole land, the city, you make sure you listen. Here's what he says. Do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Don't feed your cattle. They're fasting too. Don't let man or beast be covered, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. That'd be an interesting scene. I mean, even the, even the cows in the, in the, are all covered with, with sackcloth. It just, just shows kind of the, the desperateness that this king saw the situation to be. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent with compassion and turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion on them and did not bring about the destruction he had threatened. See, what do we see in the Ninevites. They heard the word of God. They believed the word of God. They repented. They declared a fast from the least to the greatest in every single one of them from the king onward down and all of the animals, in fact. And had this spirit of repentance. The king led the way. They were urgent. 
It wasn't a casual repentance. It wasn't, well, is, is this really true? Is this? No, it was, it was urgent. It was desperate. It was quick. It was thorough. They urgently called on God. I don't know why Jesus even chose to refer to Jonah in this passage. He's doing some reading. And the, the book of Jonah is read during the most holy day in the Jewish calendar, Yom Kippur. The Day of Atonement. When man comes before God and clearly sees his situation and falls before this mighty, holy God and asks, asks for forgiveness and cleansing and atonement and salvation. And the book of Jonah is read. Why? Because it is a book about God that God will bring judgment. It is a book about God's compassion, but it is a book about man's response to the preaching of God's word with that belief and repentance. And with that repentance comes atonement, comes forgiveness. This is the message. And so whether Jesus, in fact, you know, really was referring to the Day of Atonement, you can make no mistake that when Jesus refers to the book of Jonah, every Jew would understand that from the most holy day to, to them, the Day of Atonement. They would make sure they got this message. It was a message of, of repentance and atonement and forgiveness. And so when Jesus uses this example, he says, you guys don't get it. The book of Jonah is read on the most holy day that you, you can you celebrate. And don't you at that day want forgiveness and atonement and salvation? How come today when God's word is preached, you don't want the same thing? You don't want forgiveness and you don't repent and you don't, you, and you don't experience atonement and salvation. And so Jesus is going, bam! Jonah rises up and becomes a testimony, a judgment against your own very heart. You are, in fact, a wicked generation. Now, what about, and we'll, we'll come back here in a few minutes to talk about some applications. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles, because let's talk about the second character that is found in this passage. In 2 Chronicles chapter 9, the Queen of the South. You know, Solomon, wisest man in all the world's renowned riches and, and, and amazing, amazing kingdom. God's, God's kingdom had spread like no other time in all of history. And his influence was, was far-reaching into the known world. And so this woman, and we read in, in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 1, says, when she had... She had heard about the fame of Solomon and his relation to the name of the Lord. So it wasn't just all of his, all of his fame and all of his wealth. There was something about Solomon's God that attracted her to him. 
so she visits. And she, ha- she hears all of this, this rumor about this great king and this great God. And she, so, so she comes and visits, and 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 1 says, When the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions. Arriving with a great caravan with camels carrying spices and large quantities of gold, precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him all about what she had on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for him to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba saw the wisdom of Solomon as well as the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attendants serving in their robes, the cupbearers, their robes, and the burnt offerings that was made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. She said to the king, The report I have heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe what they said until I came and saw with my own eyes. Verse 8, Praise be to the Lord your God. And she'll again lift up God as at the heart of all of that. What was the result of her trip? She believed. She saw God. So what do we see from these two characters? What do we see from these two individuals that Jesus is highlighting to challenge them that were listening and those of us today? What do we see in this queen who who desires to seek God, who travels over 1,500 miles and not, not by flying, What do we see her commitment and her desire? What do we see about her expense, her desire of knowledge for God? Again, Jesus says earlier, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey. And Jesus challenges and lifts up this woman in her heart for God and her desire to know God. So for us today, two points. The title of the sermon, by the way, is called A Good Sign. So for us today, the first point, a sign you are listening. And I have kind of slash, where's the prize? You know, the queen came from the ends of the earth to what? Listen. To Solomon's wisdom. That's what Jesus says back here in, in Luke chapter 11. And now one greater than Solomon is here. If Solomon was so great, I'm greater. If Solomon was so great, God's word is greater. And we need to approach Jesus and his word with the same heart that the queen had and sought wisdom out going all the way to to Israel. There's a reason why Jesus tells us to be like little children in our search. Because little children are innocent. They will will go, they will do whatever it takes to kind of search for that hidden treasure. I I was thinking about this and I thought, and I don't know, does cereal still have little prizes in them? I don't know, if you grew up in my generation, there were some cool stuff. 
you could get a green hornet signet ring that could stamp things. You could get Hot Wheel cars. You could get uh, all sorts of stuff. Hulk and a Spider-Man and you know tattoos and, and all that kind of stuff. And you tell me if you didn't do this, you were waiting, you, you just, you, you couldn't wait to open the, 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 the cereal box, and you looked in, and if it wasn't there on top, you squished it, squished it, and shook it around until, there it is! And you stuck your hand in that thing, and your mom said, get your hand out of there! And you went... Okay, <laughs> but I got the prize. Here's the convicting thing. Is that my attitude towards Jesus? That I look at God's word. That when God's word is preached to you, I can't wait to see, to hear what, what, what I'm going to see, what, what I'm going to, 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 what God is going to teach me about his heart his character, what, what, what I need to do in my life. Is it, is it that exciting to you? Or have we become so adults? Well, the, the little prize in the cereal box, that's, that's for the kids. And I wonder if we lose the excitement Whenever we get a chance like this, God's word is shared. Or whenever we, we every morning or, or sometime during the day, we open God's word that we, we kind of go, hmm, nothing here. But it really has to do with my heart. It really has to do with whether I, I will have this, this treasure, tre treasure-seeking mentality. That's what kids have. You know, next year we're going to be diving into the character of Jesus. And I hope and I pray that you will be stoked, fired up, excited. To, to, okay, what will I see? What do I see in the character of Jesus? Or will we go, yeah, I knew that. I knew he's compassionate. I knew he was, uh, you know. No. No. As we... As we dive into to looking at the Holy Spirit. What, what, does, what, does the, what does He want to do in our lives? Well, I, I know what He wants to do. No. Again, we're, we're like the kid digging into the cereal box, wanting to, to know what, more about God, more about His character, more about how I need to change my life. You see, the point is, you know, where's the prize? Do you have this mentality? That is exactly what this woman had towards seeking God and going to Solomon. 1,500 miles, great expense, great time, effort, energy. That's the queen's heart. Do you have the queen's heart? See, a good sign is obvious and noticeable. Is that true of you? Can it be said of you? If you're a parent, do your kids recognize a good sign that you love God's word. That you cons you're consumed to know it. And therefore you teach it 
You have devotionals. You share it. You have quiet times with your, with your, your kids. Why? Because you love God. You love spending time with Him. And you want to make sure that they, they see that. It's a sign to those all around you. The second one, second point, a sign of your repentance. Where's your heart? What were the Ninevites commended for? Their repentance, quite frankly, just pure repentance when God's word is preached. So what is your response when God's word is laid out? Cool? Casual? Or kind of super body armor that nothing gets through? And I understand sometimes we get discouraged, disheartened. We either don't want to change or we don't think we can change. But I think it goes back to the first point. It really depends upon my heart approaching God and approaching God's word. And so are you still soft to seeing things in your life, realizing that God wants to refine you? Because what will that ultimately lead to in the long run? Salvation. People in Jonah's day were, are an upward call to that generation, and they were an upward call to our generation. The Ninevites are an upward call to any one of us from leader down. And I, I pray as, as, as an evangelist of this region that I would, never, I would never stop having a heart to repent of the things in my life. If you lead a Bible talk that you would never stop having the heart to, to repent and deal with sin in your life. That we would lead by example from, and I, I'm not putting myself as king, I just, just as, as leader down. That we display such softness toward God. Is your repentance a sign to those around you? More joy, more gratitude, more patience, more compassion. More confrontation in a, in a good way. More boldness, more courage. Are you, are you putting on the character of Jesus? Has, has someone commented to you on the changes that you are making as a result of specific repentance in your life? It needs to be said of us. And so Jesus says, listen, if Jonah was effective, Jonah didn't even want to preach. But it just shows, it, it's, convi it's convicting of me too when I think, you know what, I don't really need to share my faith. This tells me, I, I need to share my faith. Why? Because it's a message. And, 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 God, and people will respond to a message. And Jonah may not have wanted to do it, but people responded. That's just a side point. But... If Jonah's message was effective, one greater than Jonah is here. Because God's word continued to cut. A good sign is obvious and noticeable. Will it be true of you in this area? As we conclude, you know, I really do pray that we that we do have this idea that the sign of seeking God and the sign of repentance in our lives is obvious. I pray that the, 
the people of Nineveh and the queen of Sheba will not rise in judgment of any one of us because we fail to seek God wholeheartedly. I pray that they will not rise in judgment of any one of us because we fail to repent specifically of sin in our lives. So my challenge, pick one of these areas. Make some decisions. If you're studying the Bible, you know, I appreciate Scott and Juan and, and, and Yvonne and, and, and Patricia last month who made some really radical decisions. They, will, they got with people as often as they could to get their life right with God. If you're studying the Bible, do that. Make that decision. Be that eager. Be like the queen who's seeking and doing it. Or if you're, or you just, as a kind of average disciple, do you seek God? Have that approach to your quiet time. You know, we're finishing up the net menders. If you've done that kind of reading through the Bible, I hope it isn't, and, and I, well, I'm challenged because I've, I've done my share of checkboxes as I've gone through the, the year in the Bible. But I, I hope, pray that I can approach every day with this freshness and excitement as I open God's Word. What will I see? And so let's begin to be signs of those around us that our lives are obvious and noticeable that there are signs of repentance in our lives, there are signs of eagerness and excitement like little children diving into God's word, and let us all be a good sign, obvious, noticeable, making it very clear through our lives that we reflect the character of Christ to those around us. Amen? Good morning, everybody. Well, if you weren't uh, blown away by the uh, service today, I think you just need to go outside and stand there a while. Thank you. I always wanted to be a stand-up comedian. Should I take my seat? I truly appreciate not only Sean's message, but the entire service. Uh, there were just highlights throughout the entire morning. Um, so let me summarize it briefly. How to deal with our insides. Well, you could go to Dr. Lipton, but spiritually speaking, perhaps you're looking forward to a second chance, like Eduardo and Patricia talked about. Maybe you're looking for security, like Paul Hutchins alluded to. Or maybe you're looking for some sort of good sign from God about how you two are doing, you and God. Well, what can we learn from Jonah's experience? Okay. Everybody join me. The Nike logo. Just do it. So, what specific decision will you make today to draw you closer to God? I have two suggestions. Sean had two points, so I got two suggestions. We're so unified. Number one, share with someone this week 
how God has given you, just like Jonah, a second chance to obey him. Suggestion number two. Ask someone in your ministry, or if you're a visitor, the person that you know here or invited to. How can you be more like the Queen of Sheba in your generosity towards God and in your seeking a deeper understanding of God? 